Welcome to Woodland Church. Here is today's message. This week, I want us to be shifting gears for the summer. This summer, I would like for us to be spending some time in Proverbs and in the book of Psalms this summer. Um, I will warn you, we are not going to get through both of those books um, in the next 12 to 14 weeks, roughly, here. But I, I love the Psalms and I love the Proverbs here. I think it's a really good opportunity this summer for us to enjoy some unique aspects of the Word of God. Psalms, many of you have probably read them, but Psalms has so many prayers, a lot of praises, and Psalms reveals oftentimes what is happening in the heart of mankind. But we also see throughout the book of Psalms is how the Lord responds towards mankind. And the book of Proverbs, as you know, is the book of wisdom. It is, uh, most Proverbs are short, they're, they're compact statements, but there's truth about human behavior. What I love about the book of Proverbs is that you can apply them to anyone. Anyone, at any point in time in our lives. They are extremely practical, and they are here to bring us life, but also to bring us wisdom as we walk through this life. So we are going to be spending the summer looking at these, and uh, today we are going to start probably a two- to three-week series. I'm not, I'm not really sure. I always I try to plan out different series, and you guys know me. They never last the amount of time. I say two weeks. We could be on this topic for the next six weeks. We don't know, okay? So I just, I just warn you there. But I wanted to talk about the portrait of a fool, and I've got a couple of backgrounds. This first background I thought would be a great slide uh, for, for this here. Um, I, I've been seeing this slide a lot online. There's a lot of good memes out there. Um, if you enjoy memes, send me memes. I love memes. I don't know why. Uh, memes to me just make me laugh. But anyway, so I was thinking about maybe doing this one for the portrait of a fool. Um, but then I realized I don't want to be offensive to clowns, okay? Like, I, I don't want clowns getting offended here. I really don't want them protesting here, uh, especially with all of our small children. The clowns may really freak out people. But as I think about a fool, I do often think about a clown. And when I was talking with Garrett this past week, he brought up the idea of the old jesters before the kings and the queens of the past and how the jesters, they're kind of like clowns, but they're supposed to be foolish and they're supposed to be entertainers. Well, then I decided maybe we should go with this picture next, uh, the portrait <laughs> of a fool. I don't know who this guy is, but uh, he probably has been foolish many times in his life, but I decided to settle on a more generic one. So I want us to talk about today, and we're, we're going to definitely talk about it next week and the week after, this idea of the portrait of a fool. The Bible speaks a ton about a fool and a wise person, and it speaks about, speaks about those two oppositions throughout the book of Proverbs, but also throughout the book of Psalms as well here. And, and I think it is important for us to understand that there is a biblical fool. And today I want us to start with Psalms 14. So please stand with me as we turn to Psalms 14. And we are going to read verses 1 through 4 this morning. Psalms 14, 1 through 4 says this. It says, 
A fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They do abominable needs. There is none who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on the children of man to see if there are any who understand who seek after God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. They have no knowledge. All the evil all the evildoers who eat up people as they eat bread and do not call upon the Lord. Let us pray this morning. Father, Father, we come to you, Lord. We, we look to your word. We look to your Holy Spirit to come and minister to our hearts and to our minds this morning. Father, you, you desire to speak to us. Father, may... May this message bring honor and glory to you. And Lord, may we understand a little bit better today on how this world operates, on how we operate. And Father, guide us. I ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys may be seated this morning. 14.1 opens up with the words, A fool says in his heart, there is no God. What is really fascinating about the Bible's definition of what a fool is, is that did you know that biblically a fool has nothing to do with intellect? And we within our culture tend to confuse intellect and wise and intellect and being a fool within our world. Our world that you and I live in, we live in a world that pushes intellectual intelligence. You could almost say we kind of push book smarts within this world that we live in. Um, we believe in the system of just education. We, we have taught our children. I was taught this throughout my entire childhood, that the key to life is more education. If we can just get more education then this life will become a better life. It, we will become wiser. We will become better off. I remember throughout high schools, I sat through seminar after seminar of somebody coming in and telling me how important education is. And they always try to like angle it in the idea that education equals success. Education equals a better rounded human being. And they always push this one. Education equals more money. Like... Somehow they were trying to convince young people that if you just get more education, you'll have more money, and for whatever reason, you will be better off within this world. And this has been deep within our culture, that we believe in education. Truman, he said this, he said, education is the first line of defense in the conflict of principle and policy which divide the world. America's hope, our hope, and the hope of the world is in education. John F. Kennedy, our progress as a nation can be no swifter than our progress in education. The future belongs to young people with an education and an imagination to create. That was President Barack Obama. But I like Franklin D. Roosevelt's aspect of this. He says, "You, when you educate a man in mind, and not in morals, you educate a menace to society. When you educate a man in mind 
and not in morals, you educate a menace to society. As I think about the world you and I live in, we live in a time that truly does believe that education is the key. We live in a time that has pushed education for so long. And I'm not, I'm not up here saying don't get an education. I often tell people I'm one of the most overeducated individuals out there. Education has its place, but we have confused within our world education and wisdom. We have confused within this world that somehow intellectual education means you will not be a fool. When biblically, being a fool has nothing to do with how smart you are, bookwise. And you guys all know this. You have ran into bosses and people. They got these PhDs, and you're like, my boss is a complete fool. You've probably even said that in your heart and in your mind. Like, how can this person be so educated and be so foolish? Well, it's because education has nothing to do with biblical wisdom. And as I think about our society and as I think about where we are currently at, we have been pushing this idea of education for so long. And I just stop and and I just think, are we any more better off as a culture as we are today than we were 100 years ago? Are we more secure? Are we morally better off? Are we happier as a culture today than we were 100 years ago? But we have, as a culture, believed the lie that education is the key to everything. And I would say biblical wisdom is probably the key to everything in this life. And like what I said, the biblical definition of wisdom has nothing to do with intellect. As we read in in Psalms 14.1, the fool says in their heart, there is no God. A fool, biblically, is always somebody who is morally deficient. I'm going to say that again. A fool, biblically, is always somebody who is morally deficient. Nothing to do with intellect. And I will tell you this. This is some of the greatest news that that I've ever heard from growing up within this culture because I was one of those kids that never performed well in the intellectual side. You guys know me as you talk to me. You're like, pastor's not very bright intellectually. That's fine. I get it. But my goal is not to be intellectually smart or think wise, but biblically. And it all starts with this phrase, a fool says in his heart, there is no God. And as you look at at Psalms 14, you see how this plays out. That the moment somebody takes away God from the equation, the moment when a human being says they have rejected, they don't believe that there is even a God, meaning there is no moral compass, there is no nothing, no other authority over them, Psalms 14 spells out how this is going to look like. Well, how does this play out? They're corrupt. Their deeds are terrible. Verse 14, the Lord looks down from heaven on the children of men to see if there is any who understand. Any who seek after 
God. Verses 3, they have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. They have no knowledge. All the evil doers who eat up my people as they eat bread and do not call upon the Lord. They have no faith. They have, I would argue, no real moral compass. They do not call upon the Lord. And it makes perfect sense. Why would you call upon a Lord when you've said in your heart, there is no God? And as I think about this, as I think biblically in the world that we are living in right now, you guys know as a society, as a culture, specifically the Western culture, and I speak about this often, we have eliminated the idea of the authority of God within every aspect of our lives. Look at our education system. God is not allowed to be mentioned in many aspects. We have taken this idea that there, that there is a God and we have thrown him out the window and then we somehow think that we can educate wisdom and morals into our world and think that we can somehow become better off as a society but when you have no morals, we see how it plays out. We see the corruption of man. Church, we are not morally better off today than we were 100 years ago or 200 years ago. You could also argue that there is nothing new underneath the sun, that mankind, as what biblically teaches, is evil to the core. But we see this play out and we see our culture kind of fumble and kind of break apart because they don't understand. Why can't we just get more education? If we just had more education and more of this and more of that, we will become a better society. And it's like, we're fools, according to the Bible. We're fools. We think that we're wise. We think that we can solve it on our own. But we have no moral authority over us as a culture. And honestly, it breaks my heart seeing this play out in our world. I don't know if you have been following the news, but if you have not followed what has taken place in Texas, it is one of the most horrific things, and it, it happens far too often within our world. And I'm not here to debate how to fix the problem, but I can tell you the root of the problem. It's moral. The root is moral, is that there's evilness. There is no God, and what happens, the deeds are corrupt. They're terrible. And we see this play out time and time within our culture. And church, I'm not, I'm not bringing this up to say, well, you know, we should just be banging on the culture here, but we have to understand what a biblical fool is. It's a moral deficiency. It's not an intellectual one. It's a moral one. I think about Proverbs 1.7, and you guys probably know this one. Proverbs opens up and it kind of explains who the book of Proverbs is for, but it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Knowledge. And what do fools do? They despise wisdom and instruction. That last one is so key here because, because when you look at, at the world and if there is no God... Right? If we've taken God out, you know, and we don't believe in God as a culture, we've taken Him out, so we can't have instruction. 
We can't actually have wisdom. There's no foundation there to be building wisdom on. It's just, it's foolish ground according to the Bible. And I bring this up today, church, not so that you can go to work tomorrow and ask your coworker if they have ever said in their heart that there is no God, so then you can call them a fool to their face. I'm not saying that today. I bring this up because we need to understand that, that the moral compass is the foundation to wisdom. Is that without the moral compass, without the core belief of the Lord, and I would argue the, the biblical Lord, the Creator, the Lord Jesus Christ, we can't expect the world to become wise. We can't. They're fools. But we were once there. We were once fools. We in this room did not always say in our hearts that there is a God and that there is a king. We have all been in that boat. And I think this is why God is so gracious towards us humans is because we were all once there. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all turned aside. We have all been corrupt. We have all done evil. We all have got evil within us. But this is what I find to be fascinating about our current world, is that the current world looks at us, the church, the believers, and it's interesting how things have kind of switched around. The world looks at those who believe in God, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and what do they label us? Fools. I find this to be so fascinating within our culture. That, that the times we live in, that they're like, well, how can you go to church? How can you possibly believe God created all of this stuff? How can you possibly believe the God of the Bible? And it's, there's this label that's within our culture, within this world, that's like, well, you're foolish. You're foolish to believe in this superstitious stuff. You're, you're throwing your time and your efforts and your money. You, this is all just a waste of time. Why would you come to church every week? And, and, and it's just like, it, I find it so fascinating that the world labels us as the fools, and it's okay, church. I'm going to tell you this, it's okay. It's okay to be a fool to the world. I want to point out 1 Corinthians here. 1 Corinthians, Paul kind of addresses a little bit of this here. Paul is writing, and Paul is explaining to the church who the apostles are, and kind of explaining how the apostles lived their lives. And he's kind of giving them a comparing of just what the apostles go through, basically. In 1 Corinthians 4, 9 through 13, I want to read this to you. For I think God has exhibited us apostles as last of all, like men sentenced to death, because we have become a spectacle to the world, to angels, and to men. Verse 10, we are fools for Christ's sake. But you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are held in honor, but we in dispute. Or, yeah, verse 11, to the present hour, I love this, 11 and 12, this is what I want to be in 13. To the present hour, we hunger and thirst we are poorly dressed. We are buffeted and homeless. Verse 12, 
and we labor, working with our own hands. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure. When slandered, we entreat. We have become and still are like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. I share this with us because like what I said earlier, the biblical definition of a fool is somebody who is morally inefficient. That, that the moral grounds within their life are not there. And I would argue that it's because of the lack of the belief in God. They have said in their heart, there is no God, and we see how this plays out within our culture and within mankind. And what ultimately happens, church, is this, is when you take away God, who is the authority? There is no God, there's only one other authority. It's man. And, and as you look at our culture, you will see this play out time and time again. We have elevated man to the authority of this world. That, that for whatever reason, mankind knows what's best and mankind can make decisions for the rest of mankind. But we see throughout human history, evil plays out. Murder, holocaust, it's just, it's, it's terrible. But for us as believers... We first of all, we recognize this, but look at how we should respond to the world. In order to be wise, it always has to do with your character. It always has to do with your moral character. What I love about Paul here in Corinthians is that we see his character play out. When reviled, we bless. When persecuted, we endure, he says. When slandered, we entreat, like the scum of the world, the refuse of all things. There is this idea, church, that I would just encourage us on is that as we look at what a portrait of a fool is throughout God's word, I would say, how do we as the church respond? If the world wants to call us foolish, which is what they do, how do we respond to them? And I think sometimes we want to respond with some wise words or have some sort of good argument there. But I think it always comes down to our moral character within this life. Because biblically, that's the key to being wise. It's, it's a moral issue. It's not an intellectual issue. It's a moral issue. But how do we respond to this world when they want to persecute us? When they want to call us fools? Do we endure? Do we bless do we love them, even in those times? I've been pondering this all week about how we will become wise as a church. And I've said this five times today. It's, it's, it's the, the moral character. But as I look through Psalms 14, and I recommend you to go back and reread that there, you see that how the unwise, how the fool... They don't seek after God. They don't believe in him. They don't want to follow him. They don't come under his lordship. And as I think about how do we become wise, I, I think it comes down to us. We, we seek him. We call upon him. We put our faith in him. We fear him. We love him. He is our king. And as I share this with you guys, I... I understand that at times we will become fools 
We will not always act morally right. We will sometimes lash out. We will sometimes say the harsh words back. Instead of enduring, instead of when we are persecuted, we just, we just take it. That is probably one of the most hardest things to do within our moral character is that when the world calls us fools, something within us wants, at least within me, I'm a fighter. I don't want to fight you right now. I'm just saying, within me, when the world like, gives us that label, oh, you guys are just foolish, and when I know biblically it's the moral deficiency that is actually the fool, I want to fight back and I want to say something, but it's like, can we endure it? Can our character shine through? Can we bless even when we don't want to be a blessing to them? And I share that with you guys this morning because I think in the times that we are, are living in, it's only going to get worse in the sense of how Christians are treated. Maybe not so much in this country, but it happens around this world. And how can we be wise towards them? And it always comes down to our moral character. It always comes down to that. A fool is lacking moral character. But the wise, God's people, God's children, we respond differently. We don't respond with maybe always superior words, but we respond with biblical character. I do want to point out one thing, though. I think it's amazing in this life, and I want to kind of jump back to the education. I'm jumping all all over the place today, so just kind of follow along with me. I don't want you to leave here thinking I'm bashing on education today. I'm not saying that, okay? Some of you might be sitting there thinking, pastor's against education. He's telling us all just to stay home and just be intellectually dumb. Not saying that. I think there's a beautiful thing that takes place when you have an educated person and a moral person combined. It happens rarely within human history. I I would put C.S. Lewis as one of those guys. I love C.S. Lewis. My kid, Clive, is literally named, named after him. Um, but what, what is really, really fascinating is that when you have education and when you have a morality that goes with it, I think that is one of the most greatest things and one of the greatest gifts to mankind and to the church. I'm not necessarily gifted there, but there are people that are intellectually brilliant And when the faith of the Lord comes in, when they recognize that there is a God, that there is a king, and it is found within Jesus Christ, those people can enlighten some of the educated within our world. They can speak in a language and in a way that is beyond me. So I I just want to kind of share that because I don't want you thinking, wow, maybe we shouldn't be educated people. We should be educated people, but realize that education is not the key to wisdom. Education is not the key to success in this life. It always comes down to the moral character of who we are. And as a church, we proclaim that it is only Jesus Christ that can transform our hearts, that can transform our moral character in this world, that we are fools often at times, but it is Christ working within our lives. And I just, I just wanted just to kind of point that out because I don't want you leaving here thinking, well, you know, I should drop out of college and forget all this education stuff. I think they have to go hand in hand. That education, it's important. Get educated, become smart, become a critical thinker. But that's not the key. It's the moral side. 
It's what Jesus does within the hearts of men and women. Is that, it, is that he transforms our hearts and our minds, and he is making us wise. And it's not based on your head knowledge. It's based on the character that he does within our lives. And I just want to just quickly point that one out here, because I, I do think education is important, but it has to come along with the biblical wisdom, which is the moral character of our lives. I'm going to ask you to stand, and I want to pray for you this morning and pray for us. And I'm going to ask Garrett to come back up and lead us one more time this morning before we pray over offering. But I want to pray that we will be men and women that not just recognize its moral character that leads to wisdom, but I think it's, it's us also recognizing that, Lord, it's, it's not me, it's not how smart I can become or anything about me, but Lord, it's your work within our lives. So I want to pray, Father. Father, I thank you for your word today. Father, I I just pray for our hearts and for our minds this morning, Lord. Father, I think think about right now the Proverbs 3, lean not on our own understanding, but in all of our ways, Lord, acknowledge you. Father, help us to recognize in this life and within our own lives. Lord, for us to become wise, it's, it's our character. It's how we live. It's how we treat people. It's how we love. It's how we endure. It's how we hang on to our faith in you. Father, I thank you that you love your people, that you hang on to your people. Father, help us not to be wise in our own eyes, but Lord, help us to acknowledge you within our lives. Father, I praise you for your word. Praise you for your working within our lives. How you take fools and you make us wise, Lord. Father, I praise you now and I ask this all in Jesus' name.